Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Tuesday night episode of Getting Defensive, brought to you by Gridiron Ratings. I am your host, Craig Reith. You can find me at RotoHeatCraig on Twitter. And with me, as always, is James. How are you doing tonight, James? I'm doing well. You know, I say it every week, but I'm really almost there. Two days to go. It's The right. anticipation is almost actually over, and then we'll just get to watch football. Yeah, we got the Thursday night game coming up here, the Dallas Cowboys, who I unfortunately still root for. My uh, love for them hasn't completely died yet, and I expect them to lose to the Buccaneers. So That sounds like a true fan heading into week one, already <laughs> in despair. Yeah. Well, you know, you get out of the way early, then you can enjoy the rest of the games the rest of the season. You don't have problems that way. So, Spoken like a true Browns fan. <laughs> And uh, Gary has been uh, working hard. Uh, he is going to be having his 32-team IDP sit-start ratings chart coming out tomorrow morning. Um, he's been trying to get some rest to make sure he can get all that taken care of for you. That's certainly a must-see for everyone out there, so be looking for that tomorrow. And as part of that, um, Thursday night, which is the show that will be going live, against the uh, Thursday night football. So, you know, make sure you have us on the YouTube or listening to us if you have YouTube premium, and then you have the game on so you can see what's happening. But the Thursday night crew is going to be giving away another subscription to the Gridiron Ratings Draft Playbook PDF that they keep up to date. It's a great value at $40, but of course it's a steal if you can get something like that for free, and they'll be giving away another subscription on Thursday. So please tune in for that, and hopefully you'll be the lucky winner for us. Moving on, we do have uh, some information to go over, but before we get to the news here, or actually, we're into the news now. My apologies. We just have a couple of things that feel relevant for the week ahead. Uh, first one, Jordan Whitehead, starting safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that we mentioned is going to be out for this Thursday's game, and it sounds like Mike Edwards is going to be the one replacing him. James, do you think that Mike Edwards is someone that you can start if you're in a deep, like uh, one of these 20-team leagues that Gary started where you have a whole bunch of people, or is he only sort of valuable in that format where you're not really interested in him in your typical 10, 12-team leagues, even though he's starting for a week? Yeah, you know, my gut instinct was to say, yeah, Mike Edwards is going to be able to put up starting numbers for one week, but you shouldn't waste a roster spot adding him, knowing that he's going to play one week, maybe two if you're lucky, and – because, you know, you already have drafted your entire team. It's about to be week one. Every team is as even as it's going to be throughout the season, you know, in your league. You know, the distance between first to last is as close as it will be. And you shouldn't need to go and add somebody today and spot start them unless you just got ravaged by injuries. So if you have, go ahead, add Mike Edwards. I do think he's playable, but wasting that roster spot to maybe get a little bit of marginal help when you don't even know if that's the case when Edwards is in versus just going with whoever is on your roster. It's just, that seems like the logical play to me and it's kind of getting a little too cute and I would just avoid it. But if you need to, uh, I guess you're just in a hard spot already. Yeah. I was trying to think is unless you're in the deepest of leagues, you know, where maybe you were pulling off the scrap heap to begin with at the end of your draft and he just wasn't taken maybe there, but yeah, there haven't been any huge safety injuries or anything that I can think of where you should probably have to be replacing someone. 
Um, but some people like to get cute. Not that we necessarily recommend it. So if that's your thing, uh, maybe have some fun and roll the dice in the first game of the year as opposed to when you're in that playoff push and you know it's going to matter more. Another one, uh, someone that you would be counting on to play, sounds like he is doubtful, and that is T.J. Watt, a rusher for the Pittsburgh Steelers. From what you've been seeing, James, do you think this is just a one-week thing where there's that sort of Steelers philosophy of, you know, if you don't practice during the preseason and play, that we're not going to play you during the first game of the regular season? Or do you think there's something more to this? You know, I, I think it almost might be, you know, smoke and mirrors for week one. It seems like, you know, Watt practice in full. He's TJ Watt. He knows that playbook inside and out. He doesn't need to get up to speed unless he's been lazy while he's been holding out. And frankly, he's a Watt. I, I don't really think that that's the case. Yeah. I don't think he needs to, quote, get up to game speed. I think that's usually just coachism for saying, hey, hey, he needs to learn some plays. He needs to learn our system better. It's not as though he physically is not going to be at the right level because it's a, the NFL in 2021. Every single person on the 53-man roster is physically capable. It just, are they having enough skill set? And DJ Watt certainly has that. So right now in my leagues where I roster him, he's still locked and ready to go for week one. I do have that backup plan on my bench, as pretty much everyone should, to just, you know, plug someone in. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm, I'm going to wait until, you know, 10 minutes before kickoff to see, oh, he actually is out. Because I, I don't, I won't believe it until I see it. And luckily for everyone that has them too, you know that's one of the early games on Sunday, so you're not going to have to be waiting around till Monday night or Sunday night to maybe pick someone up. You should be having a backup plan, like James said, and hopefully it won't come to that. But I did find it interesting um, that they're even throwing that out there with someone of his caliber. One more note here, and this one uh, probably does have more potential relevance uh, for picking someone up as opposed to Mike Edwards. Danny Trevathan is going to be on the IR for at least the first three games of the season. And that is relevant in leagues across here. Cause remember once you go on IR now, anyone has that eligibility to return. There isn't that you're on there finally forever sort of rule anymore in season. So keep an eye on that. The days of someone's going on your IR, they're probably there for the rest of the season. Part of the off season are gone. Um, at least in you know minor situations, which it sounds like this is. Alec Ogletree is set to replace him in the starting lineup next to Roquan Smith. Is this a situation where you could see Ogletree performing well and taking over, or do you think that Trevathan gets the spot back when he seems like going to be coming back? You know, nine times out of ten on this podcast, we say, hey, you know, let's take a chill pill. It's unlikely to happen. It still could. And I'm going to go the opposite direction finally, and I'm going to say, I really like what Alec Ogletree is going to show. Uh, you know, Danny Trevathan is not young. He's 31, which in linebacking years isn't the end of the line, but it's pretty dang close. Yep. Well, Alec Ogletree also isn't young. He's only 29. He's still younger, and he still has that first-round draft capital. He has good actual seasons behind him. And, yes, has he done much recently? No, but – the Bears know how to find themselves linebackers, and I think if they can swap in Ogletree for Trevathan and see a net positive, I think that that's something that reasonably could happen. So if I'm in a little bit of a deeper league and I need to speculate on who my LB4 is, I like Alec Ogletree. I'll roster him up with my last roster spot this week and say, hey, let's see what happens. If he throws a stinker out there, 
then I can cut him with ease, and I'm fine with that. And if he puts up a good game, then I don't have to use my waiver claim on him or my free agent budget on him because I've already got him. So, again, you know, we're talking a little bit of a deeper league as opposed to just your standard 12-man, but I think there's actual potential here. You know, most of this preseason, there really hasn't been a lot of flux with defensive players. All the people going down are kind of borderline rosterable, just like a guy like Danny Trevathan, but I think Ogletree could actually potentially step up and perform. I'm not betting on it, but I think it's about as good of a bet as you're going to find with an injury replacement. So, if you got to make the bet, go with Ogletree. Yeah, and to your point, you know, the first three seasons that he played with the well, three first seasons that he was fully healthy, he had, did have one where he was injured in there. So three out of the first four, he had over 100 combined tackles. Um, 84 was the lowest in terms of solo. So the guy knows how to eat up tackles if needed. And I don't think he, we're looking at that, you know, playing next to Roquan Smith, assuming that he stays healthy like we do. Um, Smith should still be the guy there. But the potential for a higher um, – you know, finish than you might have even thought for Ro, uh, Ogletree is going to be something nice to see if you have them and you're in a deeper league. So, yeah. And you know, it, it's weird to talk about handcuffs on the IDP side of the ball, but in a world where Roquan Smith goes down, I want Alec Ogletree. I think yeah. he's going to see huge value. And again, we don't think that that's likely to happen, but if it does, you can spend a better, you, or you can't spend a better back end roster spot. And on a guy like Alec Ogletree, if that's how deep your league runs. Yeah, and, you know, once you get farther back from that, you know, you're sitting with Christian Jones, who has been around and just hasn't had those seasons really to impress like Ogletree. That's like Caleb Johnson. So, to your point, if he were to go down, and even if it ended up being him and Trevathan, I think Ogletree would be the one to own out of those two in that system. Completely agree. All right, moving on. Next thing is your five-minute topic tonight, and this one was intriguing to me as you uh, just labeled it. Your topic is nothing, so I'm going to be interested to hear what you have to say on nothing. Yeah, so uh, my topic is nothing, and that makes people go, what? The season's here. There's lots of things to talk about. What are you talking about? And, well, yeah, we're two days away, 48 hours, and what that means for most people is last-minute roster tinkering. Who am I going to go at? We just discussed Alec Ogletree. We just discussed Mike Edwards. And you know what the truth really is? Is outside of injury, your roster should have been set long ago. You don't need to be tinkering and grabbing a guy like Alec Ogletree or Mike Edwards unless you're forced to do so. There's a lot of people in leagues that I see every year, and it confounds me every single year, that they're still trying to tinker and get the perfect roster for week one. When in reality, the perfect roster for week one doesn't matter because there's going to be someone who comes up on that waiver wire after week one and in week two and in week three. And you need to go and get your guys early as opposed to late. So if you're listening to this podcast and you probably are a good fantasy player because you're here listening to us and diving deep, you already know this, but it's always good to remember it in case you're getting those jitters right now, in case you're getting that itchy trigger finger and you just want to make a transaction. You already laid your plan. You already researched your rankings. You already completed your draft. You did all of these things. Have faith in it. Don't get itchy trigger fingers. Just relax. Settle in. Enjoy week one. Do you really want to add AJ Klein for Troy Reader? There's not really a point to do it. Just don't do it. Settle down. Enjoy what's coming. And remember, you laid a plan. 
you should have already done a plan. And if you didn't do a plan, you need to figure out a plan because there needs to be a plan. So just enjoy week one. Don't make any sudden crazy moves that are unnecessary and just relax and enjoy football. Yeah, and I think that's you know that's really applicable. I know this is mainly redraft, but even for dynasty, more so probably. You have a long term plan, one way or the other, with your defensive guys, and well, your offensive guys, all of them, hopefully. Um, your drafts probably have been done for a while. Those rookie drafts, you know, you're not having a whole lot of those because this is more the redraft time of the year. You've had the whole summer or large part of it anyway to tinker around with stuff. If you see guys get dropped that were at the end of your bench. Even in redraft, if you got your draft done today, like one of the IDP drafts that I'm in, you've been drafting over the course of a month or weeks, or if it was a quick one today, maybe then you have a move to make because you forgot about someone, you know, if someone's buried down in sleep or you didn't think about it, they didn't get drafted and you're digging around for fun today. That's the only situation that I can see it. But to your point, yeah, I mean, you're always seeing people just roster churning at those end of the bench guys. And you're not really sure what the plan is or why they're doing it. And maybe it is just as simple as not having a plan. Um, but hopefully by watching us, you'll be able to better develop a plan going forward. Yeah, of course. And I'll even piggyback off of what you're saying and go on a second tangent. If you don't have a plan right now, today is the best day in terms of getting value to decide you're going to rebuild. No one wants to rebuild today. Every single person says, oh, I already have the team. Or they rebuilt three weeks ago, four weeks ago, just before the rookie draft, and they got all their picks then and spent all of their boatload. If you want to rebuild today and you find somebody who thinks they need a running back, you can get a boatload for James Robinson. So maybe you go and pull that trigger. If you really think that you can do that and stick to that plan, today is the best day to rebuild. Just remember that. Yeah, I've, I've seen actually quite a few trades with, you know, 2022, 2023 draft picks, even if your league lets you know, trade that far out. And some of these hauls that these guys are getting that either are rebuilding or, you know, should be rebuilding and are finally pulling that trigger. It's impressive. And, you know, they always say as you get closer to the draft later in the season, those draft picks go up in value. Yeah, to your point, there's just nothing, you know, in terms of value for a lot of these teams that are just willing to throw them away if they think they can make a move now to win. So that's a it's a great call out. Exactly. There are many, many managers out there who kind of have it in their head that they need to have the perfect roster heading into week one, and you can take advantage of that. You can grab tons of future picks by trading kind of a back-end guy who they think is going to be the perfect wideout six on their bench or DL number seven on their bench. And in reality, they're just roster churn. So go and get what you can get if you're willing to make those small sacrifices early, because if you can commit to that plan, you can rebuild an excellent team for next year today. And the longer you wait, the worse your team's going to be. All righty. Well, we're going to get into our main topic here tonight. And as we've kind of continued this trend over the past couple of weeks here, we're going to be looking at rookies going into this season, what we've seen from them in the preseason, what we're sort of expecting now going into the regular season directly. And we're going to go with the group that most people that don't even follow IDP know the most about, which is the linebackers, the bigger names in the NFL uh, for the guys you see flying around all the time. And we're just going to be going through here, um, see how many we get through. 
starting with the first ones, these are not the ones that would be considered edge players. Um, that's something separate we'll end up doing here yet again. But the first one off the board, my Dallas Cowboys, Micah Parsons, pick 10 in the draft this year. And he is listed as a starter for the Cowboys alongside Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch at this time. Um, so more or less what you're expecting to see them starting off on the field on Thursday night. I wanted to ask you, do you think that Parsons has a chance to be out of this group of linebackers, which I do think will sort of eat into each other, even with Keanu Neal listed as sort of a backup, but he's going to be getting playing time. Do you think that they're going to more or less eat into each other, or do you think a guy like Parsons or maybe Jalen Smith can end up being the guy and end up being a you know back-end linebacker one, high linebacker two for you this year? You know, I, I think it's actually kind of a, a different answer than you're going to expect, which is it's probably not going to matter. Someone in that linebacking core or someone in that safety core is going to get hurt. And with the way the NFL is, with the new IR rules, where you can just stuff someone on there for a few weeks, that person's going to go and relax and get reset as opposed to having to kind of play through an injury. That's what they're trying to set up now. And I think that it's just going to be an irrelevant question come week three. So week one, week two, yeah, you know, Neil's likely going to be the one who's suffering. Or maybe it's Jalen Smith. You know, last week we kind of thought it was going to go that direction. Yep. And now, oh, Neil's not first on the depth chart. And in reality, they're going to shuffle guys in and out. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to need a little bit of time off. They're going to be a little shaken. And they're just going to not see their starter snaps or whatever it may be. And things are just going to play out naturally. So I think the the speculation on it is it's kind of moot. It's you want all these guys on your roster when they're on the field, and once one of them gets hurt, they're all going to be on the field. So you just sit back and wait. I mean, we all know Leighton Vanderesh. If there's anyone who's injury history relevant, it's Leighton Vanderesh. So yeah, yeah I, I I'm kind of echoing what I said when we last spoke about Jalen Smith which is I don't want to cut him because I see him stepping right back in the moment someone just gets hurt and it's not even someone in that linebacking core necessarily. So I think we just wait and see. Uh, I'm not really, you know, one to answer the question because I think the answer doesn't really matter. Fair enough. Next guy up on our list here, we have Zayvon Collins, pick 16 by the Arizona Cardinals, and he is also listed as a starter alongside Isaiah Simmons on the inside, two very different types of players and a new look inside linebacking core for the Cardinals. Do you see anything out of Collins to make you think that he more than Simmons might be the guy? And if you don't feel like answering that, which is perfectly fine, of course, which of the two do you like better if you have to roster one of them? This one I will answer, and I'll say that I think Collins is just going to be a very good player. But he's not just going to step in and be a stud. Maybe I'm going to eat my words with that statement, but I have no faith that he's just going to walk in and be fantasy relevant. He's going to have some big weeks. He probably will. You know, he's a high round pick, you know, yep. or he'll be a bust and he won't be, but I don't think he's going to be a bust. But regardless, do I think I can trust him starting week to week? No, I can't. Maybe if I'm in a big play league and I just can go with those Jekyll and Hyde defensive linemen, edge guys who just get. 25 points one week because they got two and a half sacks and then the next three weeks they don't get any and I can just sit and handle that then so be it but in a week-to-week -week standpoint which is kind of what you need to win at fantasy football is consistency I don't believe in Collins so if I want to roster one of them give me the second year guy in Simmons he's got an extra year 
Uh, Collins just doesn't have it, and I don't really see a lot that separates him from Simmons. So give me Simmons, but in reality, especially in a redraft league, neither one of these guys are guys I want to bet on because they're way too Jekyll Hyde, way too you don't know if they're going to be good, and you can't escape them. You can't just cut and move on. You've got to wait and see if they reach their value, which might not happen until week 12. I did find it interesting that after all the scuttlebutt, you know, in late July and everything about Jordan Hicks either being cut or being traded to a new team, they did end up keeping him. And it made me wonder, all right, so we do have Simmons and Collins as the two starters. Are they concerned potentially about either one of them, or do they like having that veteran that knows the system that's been there and been through it if something were to happen, you know, injury-wise, or if one of them were to falter? Um, that did make me temper my expectations, you know, for either one of them a little bit. I do like Simmons more than uh, Collins. Jeez. Too late here. Too many uh, late nights with kids that uh, don't want to sleep. Uh, yeah. But, but I was high on Collins coming into this, and uh, I'm I'm hoping for good things for him. I, I have him in a couple leagues. But, yeah, I think as we've sort of beaten the dead horse on, hoping to have even at the linebacker position that, rookie to come in and just blow the lights off and be your stud week one is going to get you hurt more often than not. So tempering expectations is something I've had to learn to do, um, which, which doesn't suit my nature in IDP. I just hope springs eternal for me all the time. And uh, beating that down has been a little bit of a reality kick for me. Yeah. And it's the, the same dead horse that I beat all the time as well, but not only do you have to temper expectations, you have to wait and see if those expectations eventually hit and when they do hit. Whereas if you have somebody who's a little bit older, a little less sexy, and a little more available to go onto the waiver wire if they don't hit, you can use that roster spot to your advantage and you can turn it over. If Collins doesn't hit all season, when are you cutting him? That's a question that a lot of fantasy owners might not ask themselves, but they have to ask themselves because they're rostering Zayvon Collins, a rookie linebacker, who didn't just flat out beat Jordan Hicks because he's still on the roster. So, yeah, he's listed as the starter, but come week one, if Hicks plays the majority of the snaps, would anyone at all be surprised? No. They would go, well, yeah, he's the starter. That makes sense. He's the veteran. Collins is going to have to work his way in, and it's going to take time. And you know what that means? You have a wasted roster spot. You're not going to ever start him You're gonna until he starts, and you're just sitting there and waiting. And that's a problem. And to your point, um, if you're looking at dynasty-wise, if he doesn't hit this year and he's someone that you were high on, he's going to be cheaper this time next year if he hasn't made that move or if you want to talk you know, earlier, like you know February, March. He's going to be cheaper then before draft time with you know things being up in the air. Right? He didn't come and blow the doors off like some guys do. Something you saw with Devin Bush where, yeah, it was more because of injury after this past year. But with how high he was taken in the draft, he was a high IDP pick, had a nice first year. And you know, since his injury in this offseason, it's been a little bit rocky for him. You can get him cheaper if you still believe in him now than you were going to be able to after that first year directly or at draft time. People's memories yeah. are short. It, exactly. People, they see a flop and they say it's a flop forever. And they see that college tape and they say it's, it's going to be a star forever. And we both know that. The top of the draft, it's not just star after star after star after star. People don't always succeed. And when they don't, you've just wasted a lot, and you've wasted a lot of capital. 
That's the biggest problem is you're not just saying, oh, I drafted somebody and they didn't hit. That happens to everyone on every team. You're saying I drafted someone and they didn't hit, and you're just sitting on them. You can't turn them over. Turning them over is kind of the key. You need to be able to go from point A to point B if point B is where you need to be. If you can't even get to point B, you're just stuck at A. We got Gary. He's always watching, even when he's not on here. He's not going to bed yet. He had to chime in and say, Jalen Smith is a beast. This one won't be over until the season's over and see if Jalen Smith has uh, the year that Gary thinks. But he hasn't given up on him yet for those. Uh, keeping track of uh, Gary. I'm with you on that, Gary. I'm with you. All right, moving on. Three picks right after Mr. Collins, uh, Jamin Davis with the Washington football team. Um, and as a fun side note, they did, they being the football team, come out with a list of, I think it was six names that they uh, have narrowed it down to going forward. One of them still being the football team. So it'll be interesting this time next year which team we are talking about, whether it's still the Washington football team or someone else. But either way, we're expecting the first-round pick, Jamin Davis, to be on there. There had been a lot of hype right after the draft when he was taken higher than people uh, really expected is what it felt like, that he was going to just come in, he's this athletic specimen was going to be the thing they were missing in their linebacker core that had been headed by John Bostic and a whole slew of, you know, Hulk. Cole Holcomb for a while, Kevin Pierre, Lewis, you know, all these guys. Do you see Davis coming in and having that sort of impact? Or I know you were both and you more so even than I temper expectations on these things, but do you think he's going to end up just by his ability to get around on the field more, take over this position sometime during this year? Yeah. You know, I, I see Davis as an excellent trade target week three and week four and redraft leagues when his owner has finally gone, Ugh, he doesn't look like he's a superstar. And you go, great, he's had a month to learn. He's going to probably step in pretty soon. And that's kind of a winning move right there. I think if you drafted him, you've probably drafted him too high, and he's not going to be a good reward for you early on. So if you have super deep benches, fine, you can roll with it. If you don't, which you likely don't, you're going to get stuck in that Zayvon Collins spot, as I mentioned earlier, where you can't cut him, and you just kind of have to let him rot on your bench until he stops rotting, and that's fine. You know, you can do that with one guy, but can you do it with two or three or when injuries hit? That's when it gets difficult. And, you know, everyone has their blinders on right now, and they go, my team is perfect. No one will get hurt. I won't have any issues. And, of course, those issues will crop up. And, you know, when you have a roster spot plugged up, I, again, I'm beating this dead horse, but when you're waiting for a guy to perform and you need to use a roster spot, it's really hard to wait on that guy. Whereas if you know that you can plug him in because you just saw him see his snap count go up last week and is finally ready to go, then you can go add him. You didn't wait six weeks for it to happen. So I like Davis. I like Washington. I think it's an excellent spot for someone with a high draft pedigree to go in and be a star and shine. Do I think Davis specifically is just excellent and amazing? No. But do I think whoever plays – and on that Washington defense and soaks in all those tackles is going to be amazing. I definitely do. So give me whoever starts, and I think it will be Davis eventually because they invested in him. But do I want to wait from week one to find out? Nah, not really. Fair enough. Yeah. The hype on him just got so high, like right around that draft time, that it almost felt like there was no way – 
you know, unless he came in, you know, being Devin White from last year or something that he was ever going to be able to capitalize on. I mean, there were there were places, there were drafts, you know, right after some people hold their actual rookie drafts where he was going ahead of Micah Parsons. Um, and I, I like Davis, like with where he was taken in that spot a lot. And I think sometimes we try to get too cute with things like, you know, Micah Parsons was the linebacker going into this draft. Yeah, he went to what seems like a crowded team at this time. That stuff changes a lot. People get cut. People get hurt. You never know what's going to happen. So maybe as a reminder to some of us, um, myself included at times, to your point earlier today, do not get too cute with this. Do not overthink yourself, especially this time of year. Every single season, the rookie hype train just takes off from the station and it just builds and it builds and it builds and it reaches a crescendo and eventually turns into a wave on a beach where it just dies and disappears after week one because there will be two, maybe three rookies who perform above expectations and everyone else will not have played enough and will not have succeeded. And everyone will go, what? How could this have happened? And for those of us paying attention, especially we're talking redraft here, you got to wait on your IDP rookies. They don't just show up week one. And when they do, it's the exception, not the rule. And to your point about drafting them, that's why you should not be drafting them super early unless there's someone that feels like, you know, a Chase Young perhaps where you just know that guy's going to come in, he's going to start, and he has the ability to just tear it up. You know, those guys are much more rare than the rookies that you're talking about that just, whether it's for half a season or the full season, just don't perform because it's a rookie year and they're adjusting, and we need to keep that in mind. And I think that's a good segue into the next name on the list here for the Browns, Jeremiah Wusokoromo, who at the moment, the unofficial depth chart that the Browns put out, it looks like he is going to be a starter for them. He is a guy that I'm really interested to see, to your point about whether you're actually a starter, just in name or how you play. He's a guy that I think could end up being used all over the field for the Browns, even early on. You know, he was never really that true prototypical type of linebacker you were looking he played all over the field at Notre Dame so how he gets used you know the first week of course and then going into this season is going to be interesting as there is some room on that linebacker chart to have a guy step up like him do you think that uh, at some point he could take over sort of being the guy this year or it's just going to be more of him learning the position or positions if he plays multiple and Anthony Walker is still the guy that you want there you know, I think you hit the nail on the head saying that he's going to be all over the field. I think on the field, you know, for the Browns, his role is going to be go out and be a playmaker. Go and go wherever they put him, go wherever they line him up, and make sure that he's across from someone getting double teamed like a Miles Garrett. Or he's back there on a tight end who they think they're going to be targeting. And to try and go make a play versus to try and go just play stoppage defense. So I like it from the high-risk, high-reward aspect. But like I've said on every single rookie, I'm not expecting him to just show up week one. I don't think he's ever going to take Anthony Walker's job this year, maybe next year. But I'm not looking at next year two days before the start of the season. <laughs> I'm looking at today, unless yep. I'm in a deep, deep rebuild, like I suggested earlier. And at that point, I'm not even investing in this year's rookie class because everyone's at sky-high prices. Give me the future classes year after year after year after. So for a guy like JOK, Again, you know, I need to see it. You know, Gary said it in the chat, you know, very well. You need to see it three weeks in a row. For a rookie, 
That's highly unlikely to happen. You might see it two weeks in a row, and then you're going to see a goose egg, and then you're going to see another goose egg, and then you'll see it again. They're going to be inconsistent. Why? Because it's the National Football League. It's what happens in the National Football League. Rookies just don't step up and become stars, even if they're on great defenses. We just said it with Jamin Davis. I'm going to say it with JOK. The Browns look like they're going to be elite, which means it looks like those guys are going to have chances to step in, and they're going to see targets on them from the offensive side. They're going to see late-game passing volume, and you know they can see big plays. They can see sacks. They can see interceptions, as well as getting those tackles. And still, I'm not that interested in them at their current prices. They're, it's too high. You're paying for peak production for this year versus actual expected production. So, you know, it's moot now, unless you're drafting very, very late. It's moot. If you've got him, you've got to hold him. And if you got to hold him, you can't cut him. And if you can't cut him, that means you just got to wait until he shows up. And historically, rookies show up whenever they feel like it. It's not just week one or week two or week three. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be watching that Browns-Kansas City game this weekend. I know I'm going to be one of them. And if you are interested in the defensive side, which you are because you're watching us tonight, something to watch for. They said that JOK is someone that they're going to be having play against Kelsey quite a bit. And you want to see how the guy is going to do potentially long-term. And, of course, it doesn't mean anything necessarily. But if he can even hold his own and you know, provide somewhat of a defense as opposed to the 108 yards and a touchdown on eight catches that he gave up, or the Browns, rather, gave up to Kelsey in the playoffs, it's going to be a great sign for him going forward. You know, If he falls flat on his face, it's not going to say he's you know, ruined forever or anything like that. But that's a matchup to keep an eye on that I'm going to be trying to pay attention to during that game. Yeah, you know, especially considering the the Chiefs' wideout core somehow got worse from last year, in my <laughs> opinion. You know, Kelsey's their wideout one and their tight end one. So if they can hold him under 70 yards, it's an excellent day one. Yeah, I know Tyreek Hill's there, so maybe wideout two. But still, there's no way that anyone else on that offense should be doing anything great. And if they are, hopefully that means Kelsey's being held in check. They're double-teaming Tyreek, and they're – forced to make Byron Pringle be the guy. Yeah, you never know. I mean, it was the Chiefs last year, wasn't it, with Sammy Watkins had the great week one that everyone went out and, oh, he's going to be the guy on waivers and wah, wah, now he's over in Baltimore. It was your classic Sammy Watkins week. He's been doing that for half a decade. Yeah, so keep an eye out of uh, Sammy Watkins and DFS if you're doing anything like that. It's his week to shine. Next guy here we have is – slated to start at least for a few weeks. Nick Bolton, the 58th pick to the Kansas City Chiefs. Willie Gay is uh, going to be missing at least the first three weeks again on that sort of return IR with a turf toe injury. Willie Gay himself being a second-year linebacker. So Bolton is slated to slide onto the inside next to Anthony Hitchens. Um, This one is just sort of blah to me, quite honestly, because Hitchens is just one of those guys that seems to stick around because he's a pro's pro. He knows where to go. He knows what to do, but he isn't flashy for IDP purposes. He's just nothing exciting. I think, if I recall correctly, you you kind of feel the same about Hitchens. Does Bolton excite you any, any more out of the two for the first few weeks here if you had to pick one of them? So here's the thing. He kind of does excite me, but... I'll almost guarantee that he excites someone else more within my league because there's someone in your league going, this Kansas City Chiefs team, they've got an unreal offense, they're going to get passed on all the time, this rookie's going to come in and be a star. It's the exact same narrative we heard last year with Willie Gay. 
And I've been bitten too much by this defense, honestly. (laughs) I don't want to go there, and I'm going to sit back and let somebody else take it. Because, yeah, Nick Bolton could step in. There's enough signs here where you go, it's kind of actually possible, and it could happen quickly as opposed to having to wait. But, you know, someone else wants him more. If I've got a free agent budget, I'm not spending a lot on it. And if I can get him very cheap, maybe fine in all likelihood, I've already got my core. So I don't need to go and nab him. And if I don't need to go and nab him, someone else probably will because of who he's tied to. And I don't think that that ceiling is very likely to hit. It could. He could become an excellent player, but... It's just one of those situations where I'm like, yeah, I kind of do like it. I like it more than most rookie situations, but I don't actually really like it, if if that makes any sense. Yeah, and don't um, – I may be confusing someone else, but hadn't you said that you're not as high on the Chiefs offense this year, just in general? Yes. I mean, if we want to go over to the, the fun side of the ball, as many fans would say, who are completely wrong, yeah, I don't believe this Chiefs offense is very good. I know Patrick Mahomes is elite. I understand that. I know Travis Kelsey is one of the best tight ends of all time, but he's old. I also know Tyreek Hill is very fast, and he's also not that young and not that big. I'm not saying that they're going to fall apart and fall and be the 23rd ranked offense. I'm saying they're not the clear-cut offense number one. If they come in as the eighth best offense this season in total yardage, I won't be surprised. I don't think CEH is a superstar, and – as this all relates to the defensive side of the ball, I don't know if they're going to see that passing volume that we all just assume they'll see. I think that it's very possible they're in some tight games. There's plenty of running. and There's not necessarily a lot of production by default that you might normally associate with this defense. So, yeah, I'm tempered here. Again, I kind of like what the options are. I think the odds of success and him just kind of taking the job and running with it are relatively high but I don't think that the odds of him taking the job and running with it because he's so good and you can't bench him are that high. All right. And we got time for one more here, which is a great place to end. Sorry, Gary, if you're still watching, I don't think we're going to get to Ernest Jones again this week, Um, but we'll see how he does this week in live action. Pete Werner pick 60 for the new Orleans saints to round out the end of the second round for linebackers. He is not someone. Um, so we're sort of ending on a down note here that's slated to start right now. Um, he's sort of behind the Quan Alexander, Caden Ellis type of guys with of course, Demario Davis being the guy out of that linebacking core that you want right now. I'll just throw it out to you. What do you see about Pete? Anything that you like long-term? Is he a guy that you're sort of keeping an eye on because he's probably not being drafted in a whole lot of redraft leagues, or is he just someone that's sort of wait and see going forward? Yeah, and in a redraft league, I'm not touching him until he's got a starting spot that's you know probably pretty obvious. Again, maybe you're in a super deep redraft league, which is – a very odd thing to exist, but maybe that's your week. Uh, So sure, then maybe he's on your radar. Uh, In your dynasty league, he's probably also kind of getting drafted too high, just like every other rookie in my mind relative to the competition. But I'll say this. Demario Davis is really old. Quan Davis, or Quan Alexander, is really injured slash old. And the combination of those two means Pete Werner's probably going to get playing time eventually. So if you can get him cheap in your dynasty league halfway through the season, you know, for a 
fourth round pick next year when he's not playing much. I think that that's a shrewd investment and you're going to be able to flip that for a profit. Do you have the right roster spots? Does it make sense within the context of your team? Maybe, maybe not. But do I think that there's some profit to be had with this player? Yes, I do. All right. And any other rookie linebackers, maybe not named Ernst Jones. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh, there you go. They're going to get to him on Thursday. He's got a backup plan for when we just abandon his guy. But any other rookie linebackers you wanted to throw an honorable mention to or anything tonight? You know, uh, I kind of wish I could because I, I do like Ernest Jones. I'm kind of in agreement with Gary that I think that he he might become the guy. Um, I'll also go and give Tony Fields a little bit of a shout because I think he has the possibility to maybe step up on that Browns defense. Again, unlikely. I know he's a late-round pick. But if you're throwing darts at this point, which – I don't know why you're doing that today, but if you are, I'll throw a dart at Tony Fields. And you can also, you know, whether you use notes on your phone, you got pen and paper, whatever, like you hear a name like that, write them down. You never know what's going to happen. And it's good to keep a list, whether it's in your head or somewhere else of guys, even when you're watching the game, if you see someone come on for a series because someone got hurt and had to go out on the defensive side during these games, most even IDP guys aren't completely focused on that side of the ball, you know, because to your point, if you talk to the casual fan, that's not the exciting side of the ball when you're, you're hanging out with your friends that don't do fantasy or something like that. So keep a note of any of these guys and, you know, look into them because you never know when they might get called up and be the guy. So it's better to, what's that, the old CBS, the more you know or whatever it was for them. So Exactly. Being aware of who someone is before they show up means you already have some inclination as to what you think of them and where they're going to go. And, of course, you could be right, you could be wrong, but having some information is better than being absolutely clueless. And, you know, to that point as we end here, you see that all the time on the offensive side. A guy like Tony Jones starts showing out well in the preseason. People are out, you know, getting buzzed, he's getting drafted higher, higher. All of a sudden he comes into what appears to be the running back two role for the Saints. Same sort of thing happens on the linebackers, defensive backs, defensive linemen. So get to know those names farther down because when you see them pop or you see them starting to pop even, maybe that's your chance to jump on them before, you know, you have to trade a fourth or a third to get them and then they blow up later that year. So we want to thank you guys for tuning in. Again, this is just the Tuesday night edition. We'll be back on Thursday night where they're going to be probably talking about that Thursday night game a bit and then what they're looking forward to going into the rest of the slate on week one of the NFL. Please, if you haven't, hit the thumbs up to like the video, subscribe, which I know you did anyway, to get into that Gridiron Ratings subscription contest and get into the drawing on Thursday night where they're going to be digging in to see who gets the next one free. So please go do that if you haven't. Otherwise, you will be seeing Gary back on Thursday night with J.J. Wenner and Nasty Tripp. So for James and myself and Gary, who is hopefully in bed now, thank you for tuning in and have a great night. Night, guys.